Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 195th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man Sage Kit chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon. Show Dustin how to dribble in 2K20. And I probably, I yo, I gave you the blueprint on how to dribble in 2K19 back when 2K20 came out. I just gave you all of my dribble combos via text one time. So. <laughs> If anyone wants it with Dustin, he has the like five dribble combos that you need in 2K19. <laughs> I don't even dribble. I just spot up in the corner and Danny Green that. Bad. That, that's my that's my that's my comp. If you're lacing him up either in a pickup gym or city league, I ain't gonna do shit other than stand in that corner and, and get biz. So you better not double team off me because that's what I do. Uh, what what's my uh? North Park Blocks player comp. I would say you are a shorter version of Joel Prisbilla. I was going to say Chuck Hayes, which I feel like yours is better than mine. So I might just keep it with yours. <laughs> Similar player, very, very, very defensive mindsetted, sets great screens. And if you get anything offensive, you take it and run. <laughs> and. It, oh man, I'm just thinking of back to my old PSU basketball class days. Like uh we play I played against uh I don't know if you know him but Jesse, he was this tall six like five, he was a practice player for the PSU Vikings in 2013. We used to have battles where I I became just a sharpshooter and would shoot over him and then on the way back on defense just flip him off. <laughs> so I got some shit I got some shit talking in my game. I just don't choose to use it very much, but I definitely can talk my shit when when need be. But I'll, I'll take the Joel's Prisbilla comp. I I was thinking a much shorter Chuck Hayes. <laughs> nah, I just remember you you set bone crushing picks for me, so I always appreciate. Unfortunately, that. on a girl too, I feel bad about that. But Victoria is a champ, so she could she could take the the screens. I've been watching some uh, 2009 Blazers Rockets playoff series, so Joel is fresh in my mind. So that's where it came from. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I definitely see the Danny Green comp for you. Yep, just a uh, specialist. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> All right, man. Let's talk about these damn Blazers, or do you want to talk more about our own basketball heroic? I know. It's almost like, do we got to? Uh, we are at that point in the season, folks, where it is uh, – I-, I just come to, to, to chop it up with you, Sage, because – uh, this team ha- has not been fun to, to view, uh, honestly. I mean, it, the week started out strong. Portland gets uh, a road win in Orlando without Damian Lillard, 130-107. to 107. CJ went bananas. They get Dame back. Uh, Tuesday against Washington, handle biz again, 21-point victory, 125-104. And then all of a sudden, the wheels come off of the Trailblazers' wagon, and the season is in limbo. Uh, a devastating defeat at the hands of the Phoenix Suns on Friday. 
losing 127 to 117 and they followed that up with an embarrassing performance against the Sacramento Kings a team they had beaten in Portland I think like eight straight times um they they lose 123 to 111 and if you didn't get to watch that game one consider yourselves lucky but two don't let that final score fool you it was never in doubt we were down 20 to 25 points the majority of the game and Sage the Blazers right now are sitting at 28 and 37. There are 17 games left in the regular season. They have uh, 10 at home, six away, or seven away. The next six are at home, and they are five back in the lost column of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, they're, they're, they've already been passed by New Orleans and Sacramento. San Antonio is breathing down their necks. Phoenix got another big win today against the Milwaukee Bucks. For all intents and purposes, we can really stop talking about the playoffs, even though Portland hasn't been mathematically eliminated. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, but I don't expect Dame, CJ, and the rest of the squad to think that way until they're mathematically eliminated. Just because if you're at that level of being in the league, you've got to be in the top ten, top one percentile of being competitive. So until you're mathematically eliminated, I expect them to go full bore. Is it the smartest thing? No. But is it something that you know that they're going to do? If you route out the script for Terry Stotts to do, you would expect him to play his guys 38 minutes until they can't feasibly make it to the playoffs anymore. I would agree with that, but I also want to counter with what I saw the last two nights is one, it's really clear that Damian Lillard rushed back. I do not think he is 100%. I know oh, and they saying, look exhausted. They look exhausted, too. They look exhausted, and you, you said they're competitive. I didn't see a lot of heart um, from those Blazers, and I'm giving Dame a pass, one, because he's Dame, and, and two, because I don't think he's 100%. But outside of Gary Trent Jr. and maybe some spurts for, from Wenyan, uh, I, I didn't see the the competitive will or spirit to get these victories, and all we keep hearing is, you know, push, let's let's make a push for the playoffs, you know, we're, let's playoffs, 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 eight seed, like, we can do it. I didn't see it, and it was, it was really disheartening, because even in the long term, making the playoffs probably does us, it, it doesn't really matter. It's really just four guaranteed extra games. I don't think it, it affects our, our long-term outlook. It's really just for the season. If you make it, you make it. We're, we're not beating the Lakers. I, I think we all can agree with that. But when you continuously hear this is our goal to get there, it was disheartening for me to see the lack of communication, especially on defense. Just really, th- their spirit looked broke. And, and it was weird that it came after their superstar returned and they got that 20-plus point victory over Washington. Um, I would have expected their spirit to break when, when Dame went down against Memphis and they still kept battling. I mean, if you remember, they battled the Pelicans at home. They almost beat the Celtics. They almost beat the Pacers on the road. The wheels fell off a little bit against Atlanta, but again, that was in the middle of a road trip. And then they bounced right back and beat Orlando. So I'm having a hard time making sense of, of what I witnessed o- over the weekend. I mean, if, if we were really, if, if playoffs were the ultimate goal, wouldn't making our stand against the Kings and the Suns, or turn that around, Suns and Kings, be the like 
we need these wins. We have to make our stand here. One's at home and one's at Phoenix, and they don't have DeAndre Ayton or Kelly Oubre Jr. We need these wins, and we didn't get them. I think running a nine-man rotation when other people have 12 active bodies is finally starting to catch up, and it's just the the wheels are falling off, and it, it, it's starting to look bad. But if, we, if playoffs were the goal, we had to make our stand, and we we failed. Yeah. And I think this goes back to a podcast or two ago when we talked about the disconnect between the coaching staff, players, and management, because it is evident that we are tired and playing heavy, heavy minutes from your starters. And at times eight and nine man, not just rotations, but having eight or nine healthy bodies is definitely catching up to us. That's where the disconnect comes in, because why isn't Neil O'Shea going out and getting us 10 day bodies or going out and getting other players that, that can help right away? And that that's frustrating to me because you do have that disconnect. And ultimately, you ride with your superstar. Your superstar wants you to make the playoffs. To me, Neil O'Shea failed the Blazers at, at not getting any remnants of help and I'm certain he would rather have a draft pick this year. He's never going to come out and say it, and this is probably his way of ensuring that happens. But again, we're a small market Portland. We have a top five player who loves playing here. He champions the city. He is loyal to the soil. I don't take any chances at pissing that guy off over the 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 hope uh, of picking 12th versus 17th. To me, that the risks don't out outweigh the rewards there. It's a crapshoot in the draft, too. I, and, you know, we say it all the time, Neil Shea is a good drafter, but is there, you know, 8 through 24 pick talent that makes you drop your jaw and are amazed? I haven't seen it yet. Admittedly, I haven't watched as much college basketball as I have in the past, but I haven't seen someone that's projecting the, at pick 16 that is knocking my socks off. And... We talk about playing time. I remember us having a conversation. Is Hassan Whiteside ever going to play 26 minutes a game? He's playing 34, 36 in competitive games now. The fact that we have just gave all of our starters like a 10-minute boost because of the lack of bodies, the lack of talented bodies, and the lack of big bodies, it shows that they're, they're pushing their guys really hard in competitive games. When shit earlier this year, we were conserving everybody with minutes outside of Damon CJ, but like all those peripheral guys were like, you know, getting rested in the fourth quarter. Now it's like we're pushing everybody to their max. It's like we're in, we were putting like the, the players at 70, you know, put it and now we're pushing it to 100. Like they're playing as many minutes as they can handle now. So it just shows the disconnect. And a couple of things that have been frustrating and have been kind of bubbling for, for me the entire season. One has been the lack of minutes for Nasir Little. I mean, we're clearly not a top eight team in the West. It's a little reckless, in my opinion, to give Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony 35 plus minutes a night, especially if the goal is to bring both of them back for a championship run next year. Why is Nasir not getting time when he comes in, and we discussed this earlier, is it maybe because he doesn't go hard in practice? I find that hard to believe because when he gets in the game, he goes all in and he he's, actually... He's Gerald Wallace, like he crashes everything. And he started to get a nice 
rapport with Dame, especially when Dame would split the defense, they would have to come send the double from whatever side Nasir was, and he would just hard cut down the baseline. Dame threw a couple of lobs. It happened in that Utah game when Dame was really going nuclear, and Nasir was really perfect playing off the ball. Instead, we're seeing you know Mario Hazonia get run, and granted Mario has played better of late, but Mario is not a long-term fixture on this roster i mean i and i I love the addition of what mellow has brought us this year but i don't need to see 35 minutes of mellow and trevor if we're saving him you know he's 35 36 years old he he doesn't need to be using whatever juice he has left for this season so that that's the first thing that has really kind of gotten my me heated this year and the, the second thing has been Portland's perimeter defense. And Sage, I want to bring this up because it feels like just now it's becoming a hotbed topic across Blazers Twitter. But me and you have been discussing this at length for years. And specifically, when Phoenix came into our gym in the preseason and they hit a club record 24 threes, we were kind of eyebrows raised, red flags. You were more than me, admittedly. Yes, and everyone was like, no, it's just preseason. It's just preseason. Okay, what happened? Denver came into our gym where we had like an 18-year home opener winning streak. They hit 18 threes that night. The the perimeter defense, in particular, the communication. If you just watch the guys, especially in a transition scenario after Portland doesn't convert on the, on the offensive end, they do not know where to go. They're constantly talking, and it's not the good way of you should go here, you should go here. It's, oh, should you go here or should I go here? I don't know. And it's allowing other teams to just pick us apart. They're just spreading out across the perimeter. All it takes is for them to get by the first man, and it's like the the dam has been flooded. And here comes the water, and whether it's a layup in the middle or a wide-open three, our defense is just getting eaten alive, and... If I have to hear Terry Stott say, oh, they just got hot one more time, I'm going to blow my lid because it's not that, Terry. It's your defensive scheme and your inability to scheme for each specific matchup. And by no mistake am I blaming the season on Terry Stotts. I think a lot of things factor into the disappointing season. But my biggest complaint with Terry Stotts has been the defense, perimeter in particular, and his just unwillingness to to adapt to a scheme and when he does adapt when we beat Houston in Houston we praised him for his strategy against James Harden by doubling him and making others beat him but when I'm able just to call out that one instance it means it hasn't happened enough and I know it's difficult playing perimeter defense when you've got Wenyan Gabriel and Nasir Little, Mario Hozonia, Carmelo Anthony I mean Damon CJ are already not elite defenders and then Hassan's really just a, a rim protector. So yep. then if you if you play a stretch five, I mean, all hell can kind of break loose. Aaron like, Reigns, for example. Like, I understand the limitations that we have as a roster. But what I can't accept or comprehend is why we keep doing the same thing over and over again when it's not working. You called out Aaron Baines. Thank you. Why did we not switch up our strategy on that, Sage? We did not do one damn thing different. The only time we made a run is when Aaron Baines got in foul trouble and he went to the bench. The moment he came back in, we played the same strategy. And Mm -hmm. 
before I get off my Terry Stotts rant, I want to make sure that we're not blaming Hassan Whiteside for that. Because uh, I read a tweet from Jamie Hudson where Trevor Ariza was basically telling him, you stay down there, you block those shots in there, we'll, we'll get you, we'll cover you on the perimeter. So again, that's where there's a communication breakdown because there was no rotation. It was I mean, just that, a couple, a couple that, passes that, and it was back to Baines. But that, I mean, like, I just Googled Kevin Love uh, f- 36 points at a quarter. That shit happened in t- 2016. With good with a good defense. Yeah. So, like, it, it's not the players and that's, it's, well, one, it's a lack of communication on pick pops But that's been an issue for, since 2016. Since that, that game against Kevin Love when it was, you know, historically bad pick and pop defense. So to say that it's Hassan Whiteside's fault is pretty pretty crazy. Who who was the who was the center in sixteen? Was it Plumley? Mason Plumley. All right. Nurk was the following year. Okay. But like Plumley is considered a good defender. Like that scheme does not you have to be on point when it's a pick and pop instead we of have, a pick we and roll. Plumley and Aminu. And a lot of people are pointing to the fact that we don't have Harkless and Aminu. But it for, happened. But it, ha- it happened time and time again against those players. Those players, credit to them, masked a lot of the flaws in, in our scheme. But the scheme still remains questionable. And I'm going to give Olshay and Terry a pass this year because of the injuries. I, I think that's worthy of a mulligan. But I think it's naive to believe that injuries are the sole reason why we are underperforming at the level that we are right now. I, I think there is something else going on, mm-hmm. and I think you're, we're starting to see the cracks. Um, Olshay's 2016 offseason has burned it's still, us. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's burning us today. None of those us. people are on the roster right now. It's still burning us because we're taking on the Andrew Nicholson contract and are still in a fucked up position from that. So, yeah, like that... that I, if I had to guess, like who goes first, I think Neil stays longer than Terry because I think Neil is trying to form a relationship with ownership, where he's going to complain about you know the the lack of changing when scenarios should dictate a change. Like, I mean, shit, shit, shit's we're seeing the same problems over and over and over again. It just happens that we don't have as many talented bodies to cover up those, those cracks. Now these are getting exposed and it's like, we don't have anything to mask it. So it, it, it it's a tough scenario. Everybody's at fault. The people that say it's 100% Terrier, 100% Neil. Uh, no, nah, it's everybody. Everybody is at fault for every win. And everybody is, you know, granted favor in every dub. Like it, it's a team sport. It, it, if, if you want, the singular credit for something basketball is probably the worst. One of the worst. Yeah, exactly. Play golf, like play fencing or do fencing. Like (laughs) this, this sport is, is inherently team-based. The only time you're alone is when you're doing a technical foul. Like when you're taking a technical free throw, like when you're taking a three pointer at the far right corner, there's your teammate. Nine other human beings are there on the court with you. So, to, to blame it on one singular thing is a little silly in my eye. Absolutely. And it's why I think that the 2021 season is make or break for, for both parties. Uh, I think it's probably the biggest season. I mean, 
it's the biggest season in a decade because it's not. I think the 2019 season was equally important because it was coming off the heels of a sweep when a lot of people thought Terry was going to get fired, and he didn't, and he got us to the Western Conference Finals. So Portland, for whatever reason, hasn't been able to string successful campaigns year over year, and it's always a really good high and then just a horrible valley of a low and you're trying to dig yourself back out, out of that ditch, and they're going to have to do it again. It is going to be a make-or-break season, because I really want to win with this bunch. I, I love Dame. I, I love CJ. I love the fact the players love Stotts. Um, I think he's a good guy. I Do I think he's a championship-caliber coach? Honestly, no. But I don't know who else is out there right now that would be a significant upgrade, and he does have a good relationship with his star players, and if you're following the NBA, you saw that Probably Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving got Kenny Atkinson let go. I mean, I think if they had vouched for him, he he would still be the head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. And again, this is all speculation on my part. I am just reading into oh, those I, tea I, leaves. I think it's Kyrie. But yeah. like, you look but either at way, they're all a trio, did. DJ included. Mm. Mm. You look at what they did last year with the culture thing. Like, they, Karis Levert. Spencer Dinwiddie are playing fantastic this year. Joe Harris. Joe, Joe Harris, Jarrett Allen. Like, what Sean Marks, what uh, uh, Kenny Atkinson, and what Trajan Langdon did with the culture is huge. And this kind of feels, it, it, it felt like with the Kevin Durant injury, with the, how infrequent Kyrie Irving played, it felt like a year where Kenny Atkinson can do his thing and develop talent. And apparently, somebody in that in, on that team did not want him to to do his thing. And you saw on Twitter, like all of these former players are furious that he's gone. He he did his thing. He developed talent. The culture was fantastic. Like Kenny Atkinson deserves to be a head coach in this league. Absolutely. And if I'm if I'm Portland, I am putting a call in to say, do you want to be a defensive coordinator? You don't need to be a head coach with all that stress. No, don't no, no, with- no. You, here's what we need to do. Hey, be a consultant. You get paid by us and you get paid by Brooklyn. Fuck Brooklyn for what they did to you. Come help us in the stretch run. Or, like, that's what a team is going to offer him until he does, isn't getting... Because you wouldn't want to get give up that opportunity to get paid twice, would you? Probably not. Yeah, but so. I, I do think Portland needs to do something... But here's on, the thing... On we, the defensive end. We, you mentioned defensive coordinator... There are way more good defensive guys than there are offensive. So we have an ability or an advantage right now with Terry Stotts being a more offensive-minded coach. There are way more de- like defensive coaches to bring in. And it, it really is about, is Terry Stotts going to give that person the responsibility to say, here, you design the defensive scheme. This is going to be a, verti- uh, a, a horizontal way of coaching instead of a vertical way of coaching. So if Terry Stotts is willing to do that, I think it would be really smart to bring out uh, a, a, a real good defensive guy, whether it be Darren, like Darren Ehrman's in the G league right now, give Darren Ehrman a call, see if he would help you out in the stretch run or Hey, be the associate head coach. Darren Ehrman, no look good for your resume instead of being on the main white claws. I mean, there there's, there's really good talent defensive uh, head coach talent in the G League or free agency, or you could poach one. 
I think it'd be a smart idea to have somebody be that defensive coordinator guy because you don't see Popovich handling everything by himself. You don't see all the greats have really smart assistants. All the greats have a coaching tree because mm-hmm. they get picked off, and that's why they have a coaching tree is because they continue to develop assistants that other teams want to poach from and learn from and start their own system based upon what that root. I mean, Popovich, Popovich is that root. And, you know, we're starting to get that with Terry. He's been around long enough, but he also needs to realize, okay, I'm really good at offense. Defensively, we're struggling. I need we're help. One of the worst. Yeah. We, it's abysmal. I mean, it's it's really tough, tough to watch. I uh, mean, say, we're Washington Wizards, Atlanta Hawks bad. I mean, it's the worst defense I've, I, I can remember watching as, as a Blazer fan for, for a while. I mean, is so are we gonna hire somebody? That's the question. Are we gonna hire somebody to handle the d- defense? And it's I, the like, rational. It's the rational thing to do, but I, I honestly don't know. Because, like, as as a Pelicans fan, I see people say, "I want to see Derek uh, Vanderpool as our future head coach." So that that staff is talented, but I don't know if it's talented with a defensive minded coach to be like, "Hey." Let me develop a scheme for, you know, every team. And I know that someone on the Blazers staff watches every single team and knows what they're doing. If I can say, hey, they're a high-paced team that wants to run the floor, extra possessions uh, means more possessions for us. Like, you know there's someone else doing that shit for the, that works for the Blazers. Like, it's not like they're going into each game and not knowing what that opposing team wants to do. I, I think what really kind of cemented my feelings uh, about coach was game one of the Western conference finals. When we went under every Steph and clay screen, like that's basketball one Oh one. And we got picked apart and everybody was just destroying us on Twitter. Like what this, this was your strategy. Like you were not game planning for the warriors, the, the team that has kicked your ass multiple years in the playoffs that the personnel hasn't changed, and this is what you're going to come out with? So that cemented, like, okay, Terry, are you, are you ready for, for the limelight of being an NBA ca- a championship coach? Um, so that was really tough to stomach. Sage, dribble, pass, shoot. The Blazers win the championship last year with Nick Nurse as their head coach. Same injuries? Yes. <sighs> I will say this, Ennis Cantor, in this scenario, is able to play in Toronto. Oh, because I'm trying to think who's going to be the who's going to be the the shining star in the box. One is it Harkless? Would Harkless I mean, be got, the person that chases? You got Harkless. You had Aminu. Zach Collins. I was just Pro- trying to think, honestly, like, probably. That's what I was. Thinking we'll never too. know. So we'll but never like, know. But it's it's kind of tough to feel like shit if we just had a great defensive coach. We were up on the Warriors 17 points in three straight games. So Terry had us rolled offensively. I mean, his system is fantastic. But if we when had players that can utilize it, it's fantastic. Yeah, but but we have, I think we did have the defensive personnel. I mean, he, we had Zach Collins and he, he, he really changed that Denver series mm-hmm. for us. I mean, we had CJ chase down blocks. Like these, these boys wanted it. It had nothing to do with want. I just think if we had a better strategy, 
Like we could have beat the Warriors. I, I, I with Nurse, I am almost one hundred percent certain we beat the Warriors. The, the Raptors were a very difficult team. I think that would have been a really fun contest, but um, it, it's just tough to feel like we were that close. And had we just had a little bit better defensive strategy, it, it could have been different. But it's over think, and done uh, with. Yeah, I, I think that we need to poach somebody out of some defense, like. Uh, take the Nuggets guy. Uh, shit, the small center from uh, uh, Washington, be- way back in the day. What's his name? When the wizard, when the bu- when it was the bullets. Washington big, bullets. Yeah, big center guy. What's his name? George Mirasan. No, other uh, black guy. Manute Bull. No, other way up. He was like six eight. God damn it. Eton Thomas. No, no, way back in the day. Moses Malone. Uh. This is a fun game of what the fuck is Sage thinking? Uh, shit. Just type in Denver Nuggets assistant coach Wizards. You're so much smarter than me. Fuck me. Did he leave? This is a bad one for your boy. Taking that L. I know. I am really bad. On the Lord's (laughs) Day too, Sage. (laughs) Okay. Fuck me. I sound. I feel. Let's unsell. Junior, boom! Oh, if you just would have said like Hall of Famer, like he played on the with bullets. Come on, say like Afro or chess passes. S- small center. <laughs> I mean, because he had he had one he had uh, pristine Afro that like only absolutely only rivaled Julius Irving, and then he had those outlet passes. So I me, mean, gotta give me a little. Uh, Let's untell Junior is the defensive coordinator for the Nuggets. That's what I was trying to think, but I couldn't think of was untell Junior. Oh, yeah, like poach him, poach Ermin, poach Ron Adams from the, the uh, Golden State Warriors. Take somebody that knows a scheme and system, implement it. You're going to probably take L's that's first year defensively, but have faith in it, keep it going, and... It, you're eventually going to have a really good defensive scheme. I can't believe I forgot Wes Unsell Jr. Whatever, I'll keep it. All right, Sage, we have uh, discussed the defense at length. Let's talk to you about some uplifting news that, that came out over the weekend, and that is the impending return of one Yusuf Nurkic, which is scheduled for Sunday afternoon, March 15th, against the Houston Rockets. Sage, what did you feel when when you heard that when you saw that tweet from from, from Chris Haynes who who broke the news? Hell yeah! Who the fuck is he guarding on Houston? <laughs> it I seems know, I, like the worst possible return team. It was, but we also just thumped them in January when Dame was going nuts and Hassan had no problem. Like we beat them pretty good, and. I, w- I was excited, and it, I was quickly put back down to in, in my seat after I watched that performance against the Suns that same day. So that took a lot of uh, wind out of my sails. But for Yusuf personally, I am excited. I think Absolutely. it's I think it's important that he gets about fourteen to fifteen games under his belt, plays between ten to fifteen minutes a night, and, and just comes out of this season knowing that he can play on that leg. So just getting that mental boost going into summer workouts, going into the the fall of the 2021 season. More confident. 
more confident. Like the last thing you want is his return to be opening night. Opening mm. night's already emotional. Then you're going to put a lot of pressure on him. He might be the starter on opening night. And so this gives him a chance to come off the bench and just really ease into things and just find basketball again. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's so hard to replicate an NBA game. And he's been out almost a full calendar year. Now he's going to come back and play at the highest level. And we don't really know what type of practice or physical contact or scrimmaging that he has done up to this point. So I want every Blazer fan to treat his return with the lowest possible of expectations. Oh, yeah. The only thing that we want to see out of this is no injuries. As long as he just plays and plays healthy, you take it and you run. Because when Paul George came back after that fibula injury, he averaged like nine and, and, and six, something really Pedestrian, minimal. yeah, to his standards. Or, or Gordon Hayward when he came back. Same Gordon thing. Gordon Hayward took like a full year, and Gordon Hayward's still not back. I mean, that, Actually, that's he's putting up good numbers today, but it was not the full he's count. not the player he was though. Absolutely not, but shit, he's still good. He's still like, good. and that's it, what's scary. Everybody's uh, recovery takes it, it's their own. It's and not. We're talking standard. about guards and forwards here. We're not talking about a seven foot, two hundred eighty pound beast. <laughs> yeah. And so that's what, why it's scary if you're a Blazer fan. Yes, it, it's it's wonderful news that he's returning. But if you think he will ever be that same player, that that's a bit of a gamble. Um, mm. we, we just don't know. He might be, but he may never get to that level. And if you're Portland, looking long-term, looking trying to win with Dame, that's something you need to keep in the back of your mind because Portland, they're big three especially salary-wise, is Dame, CJ, and Nurkic. And if we never get Nurk back to what he was, that's going to make that hill that much more steep and tough to climb to get to that top. So uh, I don't want to put too much pressure uh, on Nurkic because I know he already has enough internally. But you know, as a fan, looking long-term, you have Dame, CJ, Hood, Zach, and Nurk. That's your five. You feel good about that five. But there are two major barriers to getting that five where they need to be. One is an Achilles, which might as well be the the, the, the worst possible injury you can mm. get as a professional basketball player, which Rodney Hood is dealing with. And we hope and wish him the best in his recovery. And then you have Yusuf Nurkic, who's coming off of a, of a fucking broken leg. Mm -hmm. I a mean, it, it's, fract it's like, a it's fracture. It's, it's difficult to come back. So on paper, I love this team long term, but... That's why I said the, 2020, yeah, the 2021 season is so important because it gives you a season to say, okay, this, so this, is, is, the, this is the squad we can run with if we're going to try and get Dame that title. Or, okay, we have to pivot and we basically have to sell the farm and get whatever we can get to help Dame win now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would already lean, lean towards that. Like, what can we do to win with Dame? But even more so, if you give it a year and... I mean, it's it doesn't just work. Because you're seeing the young talent already in this league. Zion is putting up numbers that only Jordan did. As as a rookie, he's not going anywhere. Luka Doncic isn't going anywhere. The talent in the NBA doesn't just go away. Just because LeBron's going to retire in three or four years, whatever, doesn't mean all of a sudden that doesn't get replenished. Nope, there's another young buck ready to take that torch. You've got Giannis over in the East. Hopefully he stays there. But he's, he's a freak. He's probably going to be a back-to-back -back MVP. It doesn't get any easier. Mm. I mean, there may not be a quote-unquote super team, 
but Portland is going to have a lot of obstacles to get to that ultimate goal. Hey, I mean, like, our team isn't built to stop Zion Williamson as it stands right now. Dude's too strong. I don't think it's built right now to stop Luka Doncic either. We have to really, we have to see what our guys could do and then make pivots to stop Luka, AD, Zion, like all of those really amazing players. But going back to Nurkic, I think that I expect to have him do like the first, the last four minutes of the first quarter rest and then the last four minutes of the third quarter rest. Are you expecting any more minutes for him game one against Houston Rockets on a matinee day? I think he gets like, like I said, I think 10 to 15 minutes is what I expect. So two five minutes or, you know, three six minute rotations. I, yeah, I mean, I honestly just have no idea what. Do he you looks think like. he infringes on uh, Hassan Whiteside's minutes at all, or do you think they take it from Biggie Swanigan? I mean, no. I, that's that's kind of the beauty right now is we just don't have even with Zach out, we we don't have any depth up front. So I don't think he takes minutes away from anybody. Well, he has any starter. He okay, make, he has any, to take minutes from somebody. We <laughs> no just ro- don't know. No who. rotation player will be affected by his return. Yeah, I, I, I was reading that. Uh, like for a half, a song was struggle. Then people were saying it's because of the news of Nurk coming back. It was like. Nurk's not going to be a factor this year. It's Hassan's shit. It's Hassan's. It's Hassan's team to be the center of for this year. Period. I don't. I. I cannot see Nurkic putting playing twenty eight minutes ever this season. It just seems so fucking irresponsible. And I know Terry Stotts loves pushing the limits of the minutes limit. Once he hits the cap. Foul, get him out. You cannot push the limits of a fucking recovery from a broken leg. It's different than an ankle. It's different than whatever. We have to be extraordinarily careful with his first 20 games back. It does not make sense to push him too hard. Just let him get his rotation minutes. Put his his on back in. I don't want to see, like, even if he's red hot, take him out. I don't care. This shit doesn't, it's meaningless if he gets hurt. It's meaningless if he plays too many minutes and something happens. We have to play real careful with uh, with uh, with uh, Yusuf. And luckily, we have a guy that has destroyed every set of expectations put in front of him this season from a statistical standpoint. The bigger question for me is when Zach Collins returns, oh. does he go to the starting lineup or does Melo still I've- reaffirm that spot? That's completely different. I think Zach Collins plays huge minutes as soon as he comes. Well, I do too because it's a sh- one's a shoulder, one's, shoulder, one's uh, a leg. That, I mean, like upper body, lower body. But Zach has been groomed to be the starting power forward of the future. I think. I, mean, I think Melo takes a backseat to Zach Collins. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's just it's two completely and totally different circumstances on the recovery of that player and. You can't play those two. This I'm they they're homies. They they've been homies on the bench this year together, but those two injuries are completely different. I expect Zach Collins to be the starting four if he can play. 
And that, I, I hope we do get to see Zach Collins at some point because what all Blazer fans need right now is a glimmer of hope. Yeah, just reassurance. Reassurance is the perfect way to phrase it because in our minds, we can list out the team on paper and feel pretty good about going into next season. But every time I watch a performance like I did against the Suns and the Kings, I don't know the direction of the franchise. I don't know if we're going to go in the right direction. I don't I don't know if we're good enough. And you doubt really starts to creep in. So, you know, we need some some hope. We've really only gotten a couple of instances. Like Gary Trent's had had a few really nice performances. His development has been the shining shining light on the season. But outside of Damian Lillard going nuclear for 10 games, I, I don't feel good uh, about the, this season. CJ looked well w- when Dame w- was down, so that's another one. But it, it's really been tough to to feel good about the Blazers' long-term prognosis, seeing them really kind of struggle this year and not being able to sustain any sort of positive results over the course of this 82 game season. So if, if Nurk can, can even, even just a game show, show a glimpse, if Zach can come in and play that stretch five or play the four alongside Hassan and really show that our defense can, can get short up when he is out there, we can take that. We can have that hope into the summer because right now, Sage, I, I don't have a lot of, uh, a lot of good feelings uh, about us going, going into the fall. And I did throughout the course of the season, but you know, when when you see games like like the last two nights, it's really tough to to feel to feel great about the the long term look outlook. Guess how many minutes Dame, CJ, Nurk, Hood, Zach have played together ever, ever. Dame, Dame, CJ, Hood, Nurk. Nurk. Zach, Min- I'm taking the minutes. Yep. Can you give me an an uh, an over under? It will give it away. We'll just say like 500 over under. Oh, dude! It, it, over uh, I'm like uh, under over under 60 minutes played together. Do you 16? think 16? Yeah. Well, I was said 60, but 16 is better. Do you think they played over or under 16 minutes together as a five stack in a lineup since Rodney Hood arrived in Portland? I looked it up just now. Under. Three minutes as a five stack. So we're... We're banking banking on a unit that's played three minutes together. Three minutes total. And as, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I've been watching a lot of 09 Blazers. It reminds me a lot of that because we got, I think, like 50 games of Roy Oden and Aldridge starting. And we're like 38 and 12 or, or something like that. And one rotation, one, one rotation. I mean, oh, one rotation. That, that, that doesn't make me feel any better, Sage. I gotta be honest. Well, I assumed it would be more than one fucking rotation. Ever. Those two have. E- so we're banking on a lot, right? Absolutely. And we haven't seen it. But we haven't seen it. And. 40% of that unit is Earth. recovering from significant injuries. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> so here's the thing. We have to be really flexible about it and have to make some rash decisions. Because if if this shit don't look right in the, within that year, we can't kick the can down the street anymore. We have to make a really bold decision. Three minutes. Ever. 
those rotation players have played on the court at the same time. You, it's a lot of sh- that's a lot of Blazer fans' hopes and dreams in those three fucking minutes that those players have played together. Next year's huge. I hope I hope what I just looked up makes people realize how huge that shit is. Did you think it was more? Well, because they got honestly, injured. Yeah, I honestly thought it was zero for a minute. And I was like, wait, no, we they were all because the CJ got hurt too, and Nurk got hurt. But we, I remember we had Rodney, but I f- keep forgetting we had Aminu on the team. And yeah, Aminu so was Zach, the Zach was the speed. Uh, Aminu was the speed bump for Zach, and so was Rodney as well yeah. because Moharkos was. So yeah, that thing. It's tough. Um, <laughs> Let's let's take a, a quick break and then we're gonna get into this upcoming week's slate of games. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard to download Grammarly for free. All, all right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, after closing within four games of you in the predictions, you picked up a game last night with the Kings' defeat. So you went three and one on the week. I went two and two. Overall, I am thirty-seven and twenty-eight. You are forty-two and twenty-three. I am five back with seventeen to go. I'm basically the Blazers right now because I got a lot of ground to make up. And I, I think it's going to be a pretty wild 17 games because if we get out of playoff contention, it's going to be tough to predict these games. It's <laughs> oh, already it's damn near impossible. It's but already I, I mean, here's the deal. You brought yourself out of a negative. The, you dug yourself out of a negative place to be ending up being at a point where it's like your bets are that you're, you're that consistent at picking whether the team wins or loses. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Ah, well, well, thank you, my friends. And the three I'm games just we... better than you at it right <laughs> now. <laughs> you got out to a good head start. Now, I took a couple shots, and the Blazers didn't land any of those punches. Uh, hey, bro, you missed 100% of the shots you don't take. Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the three games we will be talking about, Tuesday the 10th against the Suns, Thursday, the 12th against the Memphis Grizzlies, and then that Sunday matinee we have been talking about all podcast against the Houston Rockets. Sage, let's talk about the Phoenix Suns. I mean, there's not much to talk about. We just saw them play on Friday night, and they just had a big win over the Milwaukee Bucks. The question I want to ask you, is Portland going to be able to defend Aaron Baines? (laughs) Let's be real. We're bad at defending stretch bigs. I mean, there's a long history of us sucking at that. So do I think that we communicate better on that switch? Probably not. But does Aaron Baines light up the scoreboard like he did? 
Probably not. I mean, like, and we don't know about DeAndre. <laughs> DeAndre Ayton might be the biggest speed bump to Aaron Baines. And it, it's weird, like, Aaron Baines is recovering from an injury. All signs pointed to him not being able to play 30 minutes because he's he's recovering. He had his best, probably his best game ever against us. Does that happen again? Where, where have you heard that from before? I've said it. <laughs> I've said it. So many games against Portland. Oh, who would have thought? Uh, but you would have thought you would have you would have assumed it was Devin Booker, not Aaron Baines, right? I mean, if it wasn't Aaron Baines, Devin Booker probably was going to break his seventy-point scoring record. I mean, if you need a confidence <laughs> boost, just play this Blazers defense, man. We're at the point where it's laughable about our defensive effort. It is. It, it is absolutely laughable. So, you got a win or a loss in this one? I'm looking at one thing before I make. I mean, I think we lose. It's in Portland. Yeah, I think we lose. Like. So I'm going win, and the only reason I'm going win is today is not only International Women's Day, so shout out to all of the ladies out there, but it is also one of my favorite ladies' birthday. It's my mama's birthday today, and I am also taking her and my dad and Olga to the game on Tuesday, and I will be damned if the Blazers lose on a game I'm taking my mama to. So that's why I've got the Blazers beating the Suns, and for no other reason other than that. I mean, like, that's my basketball analysis. For who this game. it was? It was Aaron Baines and Dario that went. Yeah. Eight? Okay. Murdered us. Yeah. I mean, dog. I'm. I'm just. We saw this game three, four days ago. Ain't shit changed except DeAndre Ayton could get healthy. Like, oh, no, dog. Like. It's it's a bad situation for us, and I I I'm I'm not confident that we would win. So I'm going to take the Suns. I mean, even if, if you weren't going, would you pick the Suns to win this game? I think it's a fifty fifty game. Okay, at home in March, that's that's tough to even say that. I would think it's a fifty fifty game. Yeah, I mean that's that's just how bad we are uh, as a team right now. Blazers could easily beat the living shit out of this team if they get it all together. But is it getting like, we're exhausted. I don't know if we can get it together with how I think tired this is, we look. I think this is a pride game and uh, you would have thought the Kings would have been the pride game. You, you would have thought they would have came out with a little bit more intensity after getting their ass kicked by the Suns, but it was a back to back. And so maybe that loss just lingered a little bit too long, but they've had 24 hours to think about it. And regardless of whether or not they're going to make the playoffs, I, I need to see everybody playing like Gary Trent Jr., man, just going all out. Like, I need to see that. I, I need to see some some hope from from, the, from this Blazers team. And, and if you lose and you play your ass off and they just hit – and if it's really they just hit tough shots, not just, not just wide open shots, yeah, you salute them and say, okay, you're a better team than us this year or today. I can accept that loss. I could not accept the previous two that we had. So hopefully brighter days are ahead. And Portland has a, I I would say, a de facto make or break game against the Memphis Grizzlies. Obviously, if you lose against Phoenix, it's not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen right now. But there is a glimmer. There is a chance 
Lloyd Christmas, Dumb and Dumber, you're saying there's a chance. Yes, there is. Especially if you beat the Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday because they probably are a better matchup for the Blazers right now because they don't have a stretch big. They have a traditional big guy in Jonas Valanciunas. Jaron Jackson Jr. is still sidelined. and Randy Clark's out too, most likely. The Blazers will will want to enact some revenge for that the way the 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 last game ended prior to the All Star break. So I think if they beat Phoenix, they're probably going to be feeling a little bit better. They see that Memphis, okay, they're the team in eighth. We need to fight to get that win. They got to make I, their stand against Memphis. I think it happens. Like I, I, even though I'm counting the Blazers out for the rest of the season, I don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I think they still believe it, and if you do beat Memphis, that's another game you can pick up. And they do have a tough schedule, and there a lot can happen in 17 games. I think they find a way to, to beat the Grizzlies. So shockingly, we're talking we've talked about defense for about 40 minutes. Without Jaron Jackson, this team is a better defensive team without than with, which I think is statistically really surprising since Jaron's such a skilled big man that can block shots. So they're they're playing good ball without arguably their second best player, or arguably their best player, if you really think about it. Um, I, I think that Hassan and uh, Jonas probably cancel each other out. Hopefully, and they had some beef last game too. Uh, hopefully, Hassan realizes how much Jonas ate off him. And decides he has to get get his get his points, and uh, yeah, like Dylan Brooks is still shooting. He, he's 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 became a lot less efficient since the last time we talked about them. But uh, DeAndre Melton's had a bigger role. Like this is still a a very good team, young team doesn't know anybody any better, so they're probably going to scrap and fight and claw. But if the Blazers are trying to, if playoffs are still an idea in their mind, they have to win this game. You said win. I, th- I think the Blazers get this dub as well. All right. The last game we'll talk about this week is the Nurkic return on the 15th against the Houston Rockets, a team that has surprisingly been struggled, uh, been struggling lately. They dropped two on the road to the Hornets and the Orlando Magic, giving up a lot of buckets in both of those contests, but it will be a test of styles as they will play no player taller than 6'9". And obviously Portland's more of a traditional team. Uh, The Blazers are 2-1 in the season series. Dame went super nuclear the last time these two teams played and had a triple-double. If they win these two games coming into Houston, I expect it to be competitive. Dame versus Russ is always must-see TV. The game is on ABC, the first ABC regular season game I can remember in a long time. I, I don't expect Portland to to just roll over. I think they put up a fight, but I don't think Portland is in the right mindset to sustain victories. And no way could I possibly assume the Blazers are going to go 3-0 this week. I think a loss is going to be in there somewhere. And Houston is probably going to figure out what went wrong in Orlando and Charlotte. And is probably just overlooking those teams. And they will not overlook a team that has really owned them this season. So, unfortunately, I think it is going to be a tough, tough task to, to beat the small ball Rockets. Because I don't know what you do with Hassan or Nurkic against that lineup. And if they're hitting even their average threes, it's going to be a tough yeah, contest. That, that, so, it, I have a lot. 
this game really breaks down to does Robert Covington and PJ Tucker hit at a good enough clip to force our bigs off the court? That really is the the question. I think that we double and do whatever we can to get the ball out of James Harden's hands. He defers to uh, Russell Westbrook. Russell has a really good game. It all depends on what those two forwards do as far as three-point shooters. If they can't hit, we can play our bigs. If they can hit, we have to do something. And if that something is put, play Wayne Gabriel in this year little big minutes, it's what we have to do. So it really di- it is, is the Rockets' wings going to hit threes? Uh, I think... I think we go one and two this week. I think the Rockets beat us. All right, Sage. Before we wrap up this podcast, we have a fan question from at PDX Traffic Cone. Wants to know, what will Jody Allen do this summer? Sleep in and eat rich people food. Right? I mean, uh, in regards to the Blazers? Absolutely, in regards (laughs) to the Blazers. Um, I think there's going to be a few really long conversations about our center position. Um, I think we probably bring back Ariza, hope maybe Hassan and uh, uh, Mello try and run it back. I, I think that we really try and lure Hassan with the fact that Nurk is, he's in a play, but he's recovering. So I, I think there's a lot of discussions made about how we can improve the team around the margins and uh, see what see what happens. But uh, shit, be rich is my main answer. Yeah, I think Olshay and Stotts get the mulligan for, for this season. I think they set a hard number in the sand for Hassan, more of a take it or leave it, because unlike years past, we finally have the mid-level exception at our arsenal, and there are some good bigs out there that we can go and, and use as backups. Yeah, like can- 80% of Hassan for $7 million. Yeah, you're you're getting yeah seven's a good number. It's got to be a a cheap number. He's not going to be making that 20, 24, 27 million that he made in 16, 17, 18, 19. Like he, there's no max contract coming for Hassan. You know, coming for Hassan. I mean, that we saw what the market was for Andre Drummond, who is a similar younger player, Be- one as, of the best rebounders ever, as Whiteside. So I mean, that's kind of the nature of of the game. I think is there a team that offers him a starting gig in the NBA right now? After what, after seeing what Cleveland got for Andre Drummond, what they paid for him, no, I, I just don't. I, I think the 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 new wave is you either have to have a skilled offensively big that you're willing to trade 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 matchups for. Like that, you're so good as a big that you're okay with it. Nurk is one of those guys. Valanciunas is one of those guys. Vucevic, Vuce, joke, but, Joker, and. So many are going small, and that's why I think Zach Collins is the most pivotal piece to the puzzle. And I, I look for Portland to use their mid-level exception on a defensive-minded player on the wing that could play the three to the four. And I think in the draft, you look for a player that is going to be the best player in the draft in three years. Not the best player right now, but you got to go high upside. Mm. Um, I texted you this last night. I think the best player from the draft could be picked eight or 17th. It's just such a, a wild mm. crapshoot. The overtone of the summer for me would be what can we do to make this team better for Damian Lillard? It, if it's a big trade, you do it because that's 
That's what you do when you have a top five player in his prime locked up to a, a nice long-term contract. You go all in for Lillard. I cannot state that enough. That is going to be a huge theme throughout this podcast. Get used to it. That's what we need to do. It is really day, dame or bust. That, that's, that's, that's the mantra, um, for me. So Sage, I've got some, some dinner waiting for me. So if you want to wrap this bad boy up, I think the one it. team that can offer him a, a I think for Hassan, minutes are really important because he's played limited for most of his career except this year. I think Spolstra found a way to play somebody else instead of Hassan for the the whole time he was in Florida. He actually got a chance to play starters minutes. I think starters minutes are important to him. So if Charlotte offers it, I bet he goes. But I think that there's a good chance he stays. Um, you can hear us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya podcast, uh, nothing but ra- net radio dash radio Tuesdays, two to three Eastern five, four to five. And uh, you might be seeing us stream some Blazers uh, games to close out this year. And uh, you can check us out on hotmike.com slash holy backboard to see to watch games with us, which is going to be fun. And uh, you get to see our smiling faces, uh, my messy room and Get to see how nice Dustin's beard is. <laughs> so, uh, Thanks, bud. Yeah. Uh, talk to you, everybody, later. And we out you. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go!